Well, welcome everybody. We're back again today, and uh, we uh, this is really part two with Charles Barrett. Uh, Charles, you said one thing last week, and we took off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we haven't come back yet. Good to yeah. be back. Yeah, so it's great to have you here. You. Uh, Dorian and Jeffrey, thank you guys for, for sticking with us in this process and not jumping off a cliff somewhere. It's been, it's, this has been good, and uh, yeah. so good. And uh, it actually is is um, just the fruit of our friendship and our desire to to uh, to do what God wants us to do. And I want to set this up today, uh, talking about the way we're coming at this uh, as pastors. Um, and I think we all have a, a, a total agreement on this. For us, this whole thing is not a cultural thing. It's not a political thing. It is a kingdom issue. Yes. Uh, it's about the kingdom, kingdom. of God. So and that's, yep. that's why we do what we do. There's nobody in their right mind who would be a pastor mm. if it wasn't a kingdom thing. Yeah. Because it's one of the hardest jobs, I think, in the world. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't pay that well. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but, but we, we are going to use some terms that, in fact, we, we did this last week. Uh, where we'll, we'll speak some ter- about some terms that have a little, it could put gas on a fire if you're yes. not careful. But, but we're coming at this from total kingdom perspective. Absolutely. There are some things that we will say. In fact, uh, Jeffrey, at some point in here, I, I'd like you to just share your thoughts on, on, on who carries the conversation in the middle of all of this. Because you sure can't, it sure can't be Facebook. It right. can't be what you see in the news. It can't, right. it can't be any of those things. It needs to be the church, and, and so we'll talk about that. But the kingdom is a big deal. God's word is a huge deal to us. All the answers that we need, we can find in, in Scripture. Yes. And so these are a couple of guardrails, the kingdom, God's word, and then for us, just a sense that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you guys need to get your act together in terms of unity and reconciliation yeah. and love. And um, and the church has so missed that for so long, and and so I'm excited about where that can go. And um, uh, so today, again, as we as we begin, um, I'm asking the white church to sit back a little and learn, yeah, because um, there's so much we have to learn. There's so much we need to know, and. Um, Last week, we stopped right uh, right as we were getting into a... We knew the next point was going to take some time, so we just shut it down, yeah. prayed, cried, and left. <laughs> and so we're back right now. But Jeffrey, why don't you pick up on, on a passage of Scripture that we all talked about, and then let's jump into this conversation. Sure, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to have you back, Charles. And, uh, let's continue this conversation. And last week, if you remember, we... Um, talked a lot about the fact that um, especially the white church, I'll just speak in kingdom language, um, we, we have a lot of, of listening to do. Um, I think that's healthy and good. And the need, and Charles, you spoke so eloquently to this concept of the need for um, us as white Americans not to just be so hasty to find a solution, not just okay, that happened in the past, let's move on, you know, let's get answers, answers, answers. When we have, um, we have a group of people that has felt marginalized and abused and um, has, has suffered for so long, generation after generation, and it's our responsibility um, 
as 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 white people to walk with them through that, not just negate that experience. And we talked about some of the scripture um, elements to that. We we mentioned Psalm one thirty seven when uh, Israel was taken into Babylonian captivity and. Uh, their Babylonian captors were trying to get them to sing a happy song. And, and Israel was like, we're not ready to sing happy songs right, just yet. Right. And so we have to be careful not to just want to skirt past hurt and pain. And then, of course, we landed in Romans where it tells us to rejoice with those that rejoice, but also to weep with those that, that weep. weep. That, is, yeah. that is a responsibility as followers of Jesus that we're to meet people in their pain yep. and walk through that pain with them. With them. We can't walk, get not e- run. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We can't get to health. We can't just skip over that process. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we landed. And in those conversations, as we've been having conversations off camera, prepared for these talks, one of the things that I spoke to you about, um, mm-hmm. Charles, and I thought you had such profound insight on is I know for me as a white guy, um, it's easy in this environment because I want to reach out. I want to connect. I want to empathize. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be easy for me to be um, overcome with guilt, like to mm-hmm. feel guilty. And um, uh, I, I kind of come to this as I've been processing the last several weeks. Hey, what is? what do I need to do? How do I need to approach this? And realizing that, look, I, I, cannot, I cannot assume, you know, the guilt of, my ancestors in terms of what I mean by that is I can't control what they did. There's no way that I had anything to do Mm -hmm. me personally with things and decisions that they made and the ways that they set up, you know, um, the structure socially. Um, and, and so I, I, I think that we need to make a, a kind of a clear mark of distinction between, um, guilt, but I, I don't think that, uh, and I'm trying to say this right because these conversations—you don't mm-hmm. want to say the wrong thing. But um, I, for me, I came to a sense of instead of feeling guilty, I need to feel responsible mm-hmm. that because of who I am, mm-hmm. um, I need to have this sense of responsibility to listen, to learn, and to to help be part of the solution. So I'm just going to stop there, mm-hmm. and I'm going to let you take it. And if sure. I said anything wrong no, on sir. that, no, sir. You're you right. correct me. You're all right. Um, you're fine. And, but I'm going to just start there and let you jump into that whole idea of like guilt versus responsibility. Sure, and, sure. Yeah. So great to be back here with all of you, Greg and Dorian and, and Jeffrey. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's an unintentional consequence when white individuals feel more guilt um, than their role in disrupting, dismantling systems that they, as individuals, may not have had anything to do with, you know, establishing. Um, But I also feel that guilt can be a part of the process to get to action. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we talked last week about um, rushing towards reconciliation or restoration when that's a process, you know, the process of maybe saying, I'm sorry, to repenting and then forgiveness, we get to ultimately reconciliation and, and restoration. But I think in the same manner, we can rush towards responsibility or action, having not sat with the gravity of what's going on around us. Mm-hmm. Um, guilt also, I think, inappropriately centers the feelings of the white individual. 
Okay. So if I'm guilty, it's like I feel bad, but we're still detracting from the larger systemic issue that, again, is marginalizing. So, so it'd be more, woe is me. Correct. Yeah, it's about me. Woe. Correct. Yeah. That, Correct. That kind of. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, focusing on how bad I feel, which, again, detracts <laughs> from, wow, this is a really bad issue or big issue that needs to be addressed for for black individuals or those who are people of color. So I think, again, you know, feeling guilty could be um, temporary, but it's important to move beyond the guilt. And what can I do? Again, you know, this issue of systemic racism and marginalization, it, it, it's big because it's not one person's role to interrupt it, to yeah. disrupt it and, and dismantle it. But those who really benefit from the structure who benefit from the system, they do have a very key role in addressing things. Um, just kind of a personal story. Um, a lot of you know, schools and organizations, colleges, universities have these equity offices, you know, uh, you know uh, initiatives. And I always worry about you know, who's leading those, those processes. Um, mm -hmm. And there's no perfect answer. You know, if it's people of color, if things don't go well, then there seems to be blame on that person. Well, so-and-so didn't do it, so that's why we don't, we don't move forward. If it's white individuals, I, I worry about, you know, again, the white perspective or voice being centered and kind of overshadowing people of color. So there needs to be, again, coalition building where both groups of people, all colors, races, ethnicities, really have a part in really addressing systemic factors that affect all of us, of course, differently. So I would say again, you know, moving from guilt about how bad I feel, mm -hmm. but what can I do to take responsibility for, you know, historic uh, historical events, but really I still benefit from it. So what can I do to, you know, help those around me? It's wow. mm. good. So good. Well, one of the one of the things I was thinking might be helpful for us today mm -hmm. uh, is to look at the differences between the white church and the black church. And I don't know that we need to talk about the white church a whole lot because we tended to get most of the television uh, stuff and, and the web stuff, you know, and the, the, all the books and, and everything. And, and in my opinion, we've missed an entire culture uh, in the black culture, the black church, uh, forever. Forever in my lifetime, at mm -hmm. least. I don't think we, we... You know, when I thought about the black church when I was younger, I always thought that, well, it was a, it was a tag along. It, it came later, and it came out of something not good, and, and it, it seemed, you know, very emotional, which I tended to like a whole mm -hmm. lot, you know, but, but it, was, it was different than the white church. Mm -hmm. And... and and the roots were shallow because it wasn't around very long. How, how wrong I was. And so I took, the, I took a moment to just, first of all, talk about black people in the Bible. Because we don't know a whole lot about that. We weren't, we, you know, where we went to school, we didn't get that education. <laughs> right. mm -hmm. I'll tell you where I got most of the education. And I can't tell you guys enough about this book, Tony Evans, Oneness Embraced. There's an entire section in there just about black people in the Bible mm -hmm. that I had no clue about. 
And, and so here are the names of people that I just want to bring out that we've preached about had no clue. I mean, this, this, is, this is from the beginning of time. Yeah. So you, you could start actually with Abraham and Hagar, right? The mother of the entire Islamic nation. And, and I, I'll never forget the, 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 the name that Hagar gave God, which is El Roy. You, you saw me. So, you heard yeah, me. Yeah. You know, and, and his blessing that he gave to, to Hagar and Ishmael. I mean, you know, but that's just one story. Two of Moses' sons were were Hamitic. They were they were black. Two of his sons, Nimrod, that we you know read about, okay. the founder of Babylon, yeah. black. Um, the tribe of Ephraim. This is Joseph's son Ephraim. Mm-hmm. All from from the Hamitic side of, of they, they were black, and and, yeah. and they were an amazing tribe. Mm. Caleb, Jethro. It, it just keeps going. King David had uh, two, a great-grandmother and a grandmother, who were black. So, again, this, this is... <laughs> we were all created together. Yes. We were all created as one. Yeah. And, and there wasn't this separation uh, in Scripture early on in history. Solomon, Zephaniah, the Ethiopian eunuch, Simon of Cyrene, the guy who carried the cross Very for cross. Jesus, yeah. was a black man. Um, Jesus himself had four women in his lineage who were, were black and, and another one of, of mixed ancestry. So, so it, I mean, we were all together yeah. Yeah. before. We were all together as, as a people group mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago. And, and somehow we missed that. Somehow we missed all the teaching and... and and so I think we have to look at that, and I think we have to look at the black church today and, yeah. and see what in the world's going on and what we've really missed in terms of our own culture. And, mm. and, and honestly, it was a huge loss to, to white people. Yes. And so, um, <laughs> Charles, I don't want to put no. you on the spot, but <laughs> that's, that's great. Help us out here. Sure, sure. You said yes to come. So. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Um, so there's a lot that we can share about the black church, you know, that can take days, years. Um, I'm a proud product of the black church. I know we talked about that before. Yeah. I think we all share some Pentecostal roots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. My dad's a minister and uh, been ordained, uh, you know, um, in ministry for a long time. My grandfather pastored for thousand years before he passed recently <laughs> but um the the black church is a fascinating institution yeah. um, and there's so much i'll share about i'll start with um it's more than a religious institution hmm. it really is the cornerstone of the community in many many ways mm-hmm. so if you think back to a time even even now but um maybe when when laws were even worse for black people in, in this country, the black church is the hub of support. It's the hub of, of services. Mm-hmm. It's the hub of emotional connection. Um, and I think people that are members or attend black churches, they look for more than a sermon, they look for more than um, a song. It's really this experience of being around people that understand me, get who I am, and really encourage and empower me throughout the week. You know, another thing that I would say is that, um, I say this very respectfully of the church, is that there are some traditions in the black church that are 
maybe in other churches, but the, the foundations are very different. So, for example, um, for a long time, the dress in black churches was very, very significant. So it was the one place or the one time each week where we could dress up and feel good about ourselves, mm. having been marginalized all week long. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have the upward mobility of having good jobs and being respected, you know, in the community. So called boy, or I think um, Evan says that. But it, on Sunday, I was Mr. So-and-so. I was yeah. brother so-and-so. I was wow. deacon. I was sister. You know, so all those things are meaningful for a sense of pride and respect in who I am. The only place I got that not in my community, you know, um, not at work. So, so I think black individuals hold on to those traditions because yeah. they're more significant than just kind of showing up on Sunday. It's what I get from this experience again that really empowers me, encourages me, you know, throughout the week. It's amazing what you just mentioned that. It made me think about uh, my grandfather mm -hmm. and uh, he... Uh, was a farmer. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a seventh grade education, mm -hmm. and with that seventh grade education, raised four children mm -hmm. and grandchildren, and uh, a lot of people that stayed in his house. Mm -hmm. He had a couple acres of land. But I remember even to this day, mm -hmm. when people refer to my grandfather, mm -hmm. they refer to him as Deacon Benny Walker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. that's it, it, even though that was not. Uh, Something that he did full time or even mm -hmm. part time, yeah. uh, but they refer to him. Oh yeah, I remember Deacon Benny Walker, yeah. and yeah. Um, it is such a, a, a huge part of, of me and, and 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 my community. One of the things that I think about that's just amazing is that despite of everything that has transpired over you know four hundred plus years mm -hmm. of slavery, that black people still believe in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, despite of even, you know, Christianity even being used uh, against mm -hmm. uh, black people, mm -hmm. um, you know, we could go on and on about, you know, KKK burning mm -hmm. crosses on on yards and everything like that. Um, but it says a lot about what you just mentioned mm -hmm. is that for black people, church is not just mm -hmm. a sermon, Correct. three songs, yeah. a prayer and a dismissal. Right. Uh, right. But it is, it is truly a part of who we are mm -hmm. and we're born into it. And even if you're a black person and you don't go to church, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're a, what they say, CME saints, you mm -hmm. know, Christmas, Christmas, Mother's Day and Easter. Um, you don't go to church. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't go to church, even if you don't call yourself a Christian, mm -hmm. there's always, I always find a link to the church somewhere mm -hmm. with black people. I go to the barbershop. They might not go to the church, yeah. but there's a link, there's a link. to yeah, the church. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a powerful, um, again, experience. My grandfather as well. So my family is Jamaican. Um, so my grandfather didn't read until my older aunts taught him when they were probably high school age, but farmer as well. Uh, but such respect in the community, fighting for justice and equity issues, even back, you know, 50 years ago in Jamaica. Um, but he, he pastored people. He loved people. Um, so the respect he had as a community person certainly transcended his role as a farmer, you know, providing naturally. Um, you know, as a musician, the music of the black church is such uh, a powerful history as well. Mm -hmm. um, there is a sense of emotion that comes from it that we hear in rock and roll, we hear in R&B and pop and other things, but a lot of that started with church. Um, and I think part of it comes from 
the experience of slavery where, again, in the fields, working, toiling, but I got this opportunity to really express myself almost um, unin, um, uninhibited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that experience of singing, of praying, longing for a better day, be that freedom, be that um, dying, going to heaven, um, I think that tradition still is present in the songs um, and it's how we even express ourselves in worship. So it's, yeah. it's really a powerful um, institution. It, it, it could be Pentecostal, could be Baptist, could be Methodist. There's still this passion um, that I'll always be, be a part of, having grown up in it and, and sat in it. Um, so it's powerful powerful um, institution. And this is one of the things, in my opinion, that the white church has missed. Mm -hmm. Um, What you're saying is not just uh, a a thought because you're a black guy in a Mm -hmm. black church. Mm -hmm. This is for real stuff. So um, (laughs) I I think I mentioned this last week. Every time we get a chance, uh, when when we're not meeting on Sunday or or I just want to not be in church that Sunday, we head off to uh, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, to to hang out with uh, uh, 5,000 other people mm-hmm. at, at um, First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. Pastor Jenkins is mm-hmm. pastor there. And I love it. I, I, I You know, I, I, I can't wait to get there. I, I take as many people with me, family people, as I can. And I'll never forget this because I, I was... I was so uh, enraptured in the worship. It, there is a spiritual component yeah. that comes from years and years of passionate dependence upon God. And it comes out in everything that happens within the church. And, and so they start singing worship songs like 15 minutes before the service starts. And by the time the service starts... It, you think that you're going to go to heaven. And so we're all standing up, and, and I'll, I'll never forget this. I was, I was just there praying and, and praising God, my hands in the air, and tears coming down my face. And, and my, uh, our youngest son leaned over, and he goes, Dad, you might want to chill out just a little. And he said something like that. I'm like, why? He goes, because we've been on the big screen like 10 times so far. <laughs> and, and I said, oh, no. You know, and, and I looked up, and there we were. We were like the white folk uh-huh. uh, you know, in this church. Yeah. And, and, but, oh, it was so capturing. Mm-hmm. And it always is. And, it, and, and um, we've, we've missed that mm-hmm. as a white church. Mm-hmm. I've got to tell you, I think that there's, there's so... This is one of the reasons why we have to be together. And I don't, I don't know that, you know, I, I don't know what my hopes and expectations are for that. But we are so much better off together mm-hmm. than yeah. we are apart. Yeah. And if we could figure this out as the church, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like, whatever it means, we desperately need each mm-hmm. other. And um, I, I just think, you know, I, I, I did read about uh, what Tony Evans talked about with, with the church and, the, you know, the, the women being called girl mm-hmm. all through the week. And, mm-hmm. and now they get to be mother somebody mm-hmm. or sister somebody. And, yeah. and it was just... Oh, it was their only relief from mm-hmm. the horrendous thing of slavery. I, I did uh, want to read this. Uh, this is uh, the, uh, just a part of a, a chapter in the book, and it says, 
Tony Evans is saying, this leads me to a major conclusion regarding God's twofold sovereign purpose for American slavery. On one hand, slavery was allowed by God not so much to teach the ignorant slave the right way, but rather, as in the case of Cornelius, to acknowledge the slave's faith in the true high God by introducing him to Jesus Christ, the mediator, who would replace all of the sub-deities as the means of access to God. On the other hand, I believe that slavery was allowed as the means by which God would introduce the true meaning of justice and spiritual liber- liberation to American culture, which had, uh, which had neglected these aspects of his character. This affirms what America gained from this dreadful experience, a true vision of justice and spiritual freedom, and what slaves received, Jesus as their savior and mediator. If American society would submit to the justice of God the way slaves submitted to Jesus Christ, as well as embrace the freedom given through a proper understanding of the cross and grace, then the power, presence, and impact of God in our culture would be beyond our wildest expectations. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying here is that the, the black church learned about Jesus through the horrific situation of slavery. They, they, Jesus became their only salvation. If if the white people would just learn about the justice side of this, the way the black people have learned about Jesus the Savior, and, and the way the black church deals with justice within their own community, we would have something fantastic mm-hmm. as the body of Christ. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. That's that needs to be what we what we go after. Yeah. And um, I think that's just a powerful thing. I don't know if Charles, if you've got any thoughts on that, or Dorian, you, yeah. you, it'd be great to hear from you guys on this. Because- yeah, I was just one of the things that it made me think about is the way that the church um, has taken a strong stance for a, a, against abortion, abortion, uh, and unborn children uh, in the black community we have taken that same stance for born children and, and tony evans talks about it in, in that same book as well from and from, the and from womb to the from, tomb so right? if we come together uh that we look from the womb to the tomb from the born to the unborn uh, that like you said beyond our wildest expectations we can be the church be the the body of, of christ that god wants us to be um i just i just i'll go back to the point i shared earlier in regards to um, being a, a, a black person, be, black people coming through, um, you know, slavery, coming through Jim Crow, uh, everything that that black people have gone through in the church, and still have maintained a, a faith, um, believing in Jesus as Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that we together, mm-hmm. uh, that it's not just because of the color of someone's skin, but we together, we have a faith that has grown because of the things that we have gone through, because of the things that the black community has gone through. And I think that's why, all the more why we need to be united and come, come mm-hmm. together in one. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, I think, the, I, think I haven't read um, the book in its entirety, but I, I, I want to may, maybe give a little different perspective on what Evans is saying there. Um, I, I think it's always a, it's a slippery slope when we use words like allowed, um, mm-hmm. as if God was sanctioning something. So I, I don't know, again, I don't know what he's saying in that passage, but, but I do think God can use things, right. although yeah. he may not have wanted it or allowed it. I think people still 
because of you know free will, you know we can still be disobedient. Um, I think the other part that Evans might be introducing um, is the idea that uh, black people found Christ through this process, which I think that we came with faith. We came with an understanding of who God is, you know, as part of our experience. But I do believe the um, the passion, the emotion that we feel as people is healthy for the church universal. Mm. I think in some other traditions, it's more of an um, academic and what I would say maybe sterile um, experience. But I think as people, we have emotion, we have, you know, feelings, and we use all of that yeah. to worship God. We use all of that to, to honor God. Uh, so just a couple things that um, I think Evans has some great points that I've kind of just, just kind of, you know, skimmed through there. But the idea of of the coming together as the church universal. I, I think there's tremendous value in what we all bring in our experiences. And I like the fact you said that because when we come together, mm-hmm. it's not that one takes away from the sure, other. Sure, it's that we together we, we make it better. And Correct. the first thing I thought about was was sports. Yeah, uh, you know, it was a time when black people were not allowed to participate mm-hmm. um, on professional sports teams. Yeah, and I made a joke with I think I was talking to my daughter and I said, "Can you imagine if there were no black people on sports teams mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. I don't think there would be." ESPN would even no. exist, uh-uh. right? I think that 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 because we because we came together, mm-hmm. it became better. It's not that yeah. one took away from yeah. the other. That's yeah. why I share that. Yeah, I think there's a, at least for me, there's a another layer here regarding this um, um, conversation that uh, the white church um, needs to um, kind of wrap our heads around and our hearts around. Uh, and it ties back into this whole idea of how much we need to listen mm-hmm. to our black brothers and sisters. And that is the fact that the, the genius of the Bible is that with pretty much every other historical record that we have, mm-hmm. they are written by the winners. Yeah. The winners, the ones that dominated, they are the ones that get to tell the story. And of course, we know that's coming through a very (laughs) specific filter, right? The genius of Scripture is it's the reverse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's the oppressed, and in many ways, if you want to look at it from a kingdom of the earth perspective, it was the losers Mm. that gets to tell this story. And so whether we find ourselves in, you know, two centuries deep into um, the Hebrew bondage in Egypt, mm-hmm. whether we find ourselves you know, with the people of God that are being oppressed by the Babylonian Empire, mm. whether we find ourselves living under Roman occupation in first century mm-hmm. Palestine when this brown-skinned man named Jesus yeah. comes to take on the empires of the entire world mm-hmm. with the message of the kingdom of God. The voice of God in Scripture, as it is told, mm-hmm. is always spoken mm-hmm. and comes from the side of the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's good. It is, it is from that place that God, according to Scripture, has always historically spoken. Mm-hmm. And the problem I feel, and this is, I'm just going to speak for me, you know, uh, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'll just put this on me. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things that I have in the past, like just in recent past been come to terms with in my own life is because I think at least for me in the white church, I want to read scripture and I want to see myself as David facing Goliath. Mm-hmm. I want to read myself into, well, I'm the oppressed, uh, 
um, uh, uh, Israelites in Egyptian bondage and God's got to part the Red Sea for me. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, if we look at it from, a term, from the terms of the way society is structured, I am not Israel. I am Egypt. Mm-hmm. I am the Romans. Mm-hmm. I am the one that has benefited and has had, you know, my voice count for something in the way that society is structured. Now, that's not to indict me and say that I'm directly responsible again, mm-hmm. back right. to our original conversation, mm-hmm. that I'm directly responsible for oppressing people personally. Mm-hmm. But it's rather coming to a revelation, hopefully, that I am part of a group of people that has been the winners mm-hmm. in terms of history, in terms of the way script. I mean, look at our pictures of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We get them from medieval times when, you know, during the Enlightenment, all of these white painters and artists, because Europe was the winner. And they were the ones writing the theology. They were the ones painting the pictures. And and so when I look at Jesus, we see the pale white face of Jesus. That's not who Jesus right. was. And so I think it uh, uh, just goes to back to the fact that I, we, as as white as the white church, I would say that. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Need to listen to the black church because the voice of God has always come from. From sure. oppression. If I could add this one, and I am not seminary trained, not a minister, like <laughs> all you wonderful people here. You don't have to be to be a but, but I do know this term growing up in church, and the term is hermeneutics. Right. And from my lay understanding, tell me if I'm incorrect here, it basically means the lens by which you interpret or read scripture. It's pretty good. Okay. Thank you, sir. (laughs) So you sure you didn't go? (laughs) I didn't go. Um, what all that you said, um, Jeffrey is so important for your hermeneutic. How do you read scripture, interpret scripture? Because the Bible, I believe is living and breathing. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. what do you bring to that? So we all read Romans 10 or Romans 12 or Psalm 137, but based on the hermeneutic that we apply, we take away from it very different understanding. So that's why I think we can have such uh, variation, which is healthy on some, in some ways, but very different interpretation of what the original text said. It's the hermeneutic that we apply. So if we don't apply a lens of justice or a lens of liberation or a lens of the least of these, I do think we miss the intent of what the scripture really is talking about. Mm, which so good. Which really pushes us to take Romans 12 literally. Mm-hmm. You can't fake weep. Correct. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You can't pretend to weep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know that the Jewish culture, they would pay people to mourn. Mm-hmm. They, they were really good. Professionals. You know? yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they knew how to do that. They were actors, actresses. But, but we can't weep if we don't feel sorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And we can't feel sorrow if we don't know what to be sorrowful about. Mm-hmm. Which requires, you know, what you said, Jeffrey, about who are we the winners or the losers and where's this coming from i think because we haven't understood that we run the risk of becoming the pharisees yes Mm -hmm. absolutely and not the jesus followers yes and and oh my gosh when i read about the things that they're accused of by Mm -hmm. jesus i'm Mm -hmm. like 
This they're sounds really close to me. They're know? more concerned about guarding the institution that they framed yes. to fit Jesus into than they were following the heart of God. Yeah. So before we leave this this little topic here, mm-hmm. which we're we're running close to the end of our time, um, one of the results that has come out of the black church mm-hmm. has been incredible um, holistic ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just still blown away by A.R. Bernard and what's happening in Brooklyn right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he, he garnered more money, uh, government money, to, to, I think it was like $2.1 billion to be able to go in and rebuild Brooklyn to stop gentrification. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this, the stuff that, that, that the Black Church has done has just been incredible mm-hmm. and, and is doing. Um, I will tell you the white church is nowhere close to that mm-hmm. in terms of, of justice. And I, I'd just be interested in mm-hmm. your thoughts on that because I know that's been a big issue yeah. in your life. I think it comes out of need. So I've been a part of churches in New York, um, Queens, New York, um, that had their own banks or credit unions because members needed you know, loans for things. Wow. Um, wow. You know, pastors, uh, Floyd and Elaine Flake, Great Allen Cathedral, played there in college. Um, they are still doing such community development and empowerment for Southeast Jamaica, Queens with businesses and um, senior housing. They had a fabulous school. They still have the school. Uh, but I think all of that came out of need. Dr. That, Perkins. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but but so many um, Calvin Butts and Abyssinian Baptists in, yeah. in Harlem, so many churches because of inadequate schooling or inadequate housing, we take it upon ourselves to fix the, you know, um, the system. Mm-hmm. So we, we pour in you know, money from ties and offerings, and uh, we uh, set up jobs and other opportunities to really do things for ourselves that were not happening in the larger society. So I think the, the need for better, the black church has always kind of rose to the occasion to answer you know, what was not happening in a more uh, social, political um, sphere, which really the white church needs to learn. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. when we talk about social justice, we quickly revert to cultural things and things we get to say mm-hmm. and sermons we get to preach. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you, we've never started a bank mm-hmm. uh, or college or um, you know something of of that nature mm-hmm. to to help people who who are in need. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a whole piece of you know, the foundations that God built to, to put the whole world together was mm-hmm. righteousness and justice. And mm-hmm. justice has to be part of that. Yeah. We have to be part of that. Yes. And if we are not, we are not the complete church. And mm-hmm. yeah. all the more reason for us to come together. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. We, Absolutely. We've, we've wasted resources mm-hmm. like crazy mm-hmm. in the white church for things that yeah. don't matter mm-hmm. and, and missed the greatest needs around mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. So, unless we forget that we need to have these conversations mm-hmm. yeah, and that we're not wasting time, we are only a few decades removed mm-hmm. in this country from the church, the white church, not even not even allowing or admitting black students into our Christian biblical institutions. Mm-hmm. Right. Not a century 
right. a couple decades. And that's yeah. not the government's policy? That was church. Yeah. That would not allow black students into its doors to study the Word of God. Mm-hmm. That's why we got to have this conversation. Yeah. And if the church doesn't, who... Who's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I just, I, I feel like we all have a responsibility. Um, we do, as a church, we don't push back on missions. If somebody says, you know, we need to go overseas to another continent, to another country, uh, to, to do missions there, mm-hmm. build houses, you know, dig wells, uh, spread the gospel. Uh, we don't push back on that. Right here in our nation, in mm-hmm. America, there is a tremendous mission for mm-hmm. us right now we all have that responsibility correct yeah. correct well guys we need to wrap this up today um i've, I've made a couple notes things that that i think would be some homework for us and and the first one is again to listen and love i think we we've, we've really got to practice that we got to learn how to be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep live in harmony with each other don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all that's right. that's romans 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, i i think we we've got to take that posture um i wrote this down i don't know you guys may may think this is stupid but i i wrote down intentionally become friends with people who's whose color is different than yours that would be black i'm just talk black and white there and, and there's a difference between being friendly and being friends you say that yeah because um that's a whole new level more investment yes more <laughs> investment yeah and and um you can be friendly and not learn a thing mm-hmm. you, you you know that's especially if you're a gregarious person that's that's easy to do but a friend takes an investment yeah mm-hmm. And, and what if we were intentional about building friendships with somebody not like us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, just do it. Yeah. And then the last one is, is to learn, which I think we, there's so much to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much to learn. Yeah. Charles, thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, thank, thank you, you Charles. Thank you. Hey, My pleasure. And, um, uh, Jeffrey, would you, would you close us in prayer? Absolutely. Jesus, thank you for um, yet another opportunity that we have had together uh, to come and just sit at a table and talk about some very real and needed things in our culture, in our time, and within the church. We thank you for Charles and all the things that he's added to this discussion, Lord. Lord. Um, I pray, Lord, that as we just continue to walk through this, these three churches, that that we we would do so with humility. And we would do so with love. Help us. Help us to listen. Help us to listen to one another. Not just strive to make a point, but strive, God, to really hear what our brothers and sisters are saying and have to say. Help us to learn from that, Lord. And then also let us be proactive like Pastor Greg just challenged us to do. If we don't have people in our lives that are of a different color than us, let us take the initiative to reach out and begin to build bridges. Again, not just not just to have a conversation or to be friendly, but really, truly connect yes. and join our lives together in order to be the change so that we can help bring about yes. change. Lord, and we know, God, that we're going to be okay if we take that posture because your spirit dwells there. Yes. Lord. When we come together in unity, the psalmist said that 
that, that if we would bind together in unity, it is there, it is in that place that the Lord commands His blessing. And I pray, God, that you would let the power of the Holy Spirit lead us in this process to bring about change and to see kingdom justice and peace yes. on earth as it is in heaven. We give you thanks for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. God bless you, folks. We love you. And we'll be back.